What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect podcast presented by Winject Studios. I am your host, Chris Ross. And if you're new to us, welcome. Really excited and blessed to have you here for the first time. The outcome that we're after in each episode of this show is to introduce you to as many people as I cross paths with to inspire and help you, our listeners, to manifest anything you want out of life. How I go about achieving this is one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, that's success. Our featured guest for this week, I have an opportunity to share a conversation that I have with a fourth generation entrepreneur, my friend, Matt Deutschman. He is a double take promotional marketing owner, which specializes in custom branded promotional products for colleges and universities, advertising, marketing agencies, professional services firms, and the finance industry. Matt also has a journalism background, which provides the framework for his unique ability to ask insightful questions and tell his clients stories. His company's slogan, Make Them Look Twice, speaks volumes about his results. His employees become brand advocates, clients become referral sources, and recruits become team members. Some of the things to pay very close attention to in today's episode is Matt provides tons, and I mean tons, of entrepreneurial insight, marketing experience, productivity, and work-life balance mission. Last but not least, be sure to check out his first publishing children's book called Double Take Defenders. Before I kick this up a couple notches and dive right in, stand by for a quick message, and I'll see you on the other side. This podcast is part of the Winject Studios Network, where podcasters come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how to apply to join the network, go to www.winject.com. That's W-I-N-J-E-C-T dot com. If you're ready to make a difference through podcasting, then we're ready to see you there. What is up, everybody? As you can tell, like I have my main man, Mr. Matt. I'm going to do a little double take. That's my little intro drop of your name or your company, obviously. <laughs> but welcome to the show, man. I'm really excited to have you here. There's so much to have a conversation about, dissect. And then one thing that I loved about your message and what you're doing right now is that you have adapted well during the COVID times that a lot of people haven't, I guess you would say, had their fingers on a pulse and then knowing what adjustments they needed to make, especially when it comes to their business model and what they're trying to reach. But again, and I'm sure we'll have a conversation in depth about this, but welcome to today's show, my man. Thank you very much, Chris. Glad to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited. And you probably could tell for those who have seen videos of Matt that his he's growing out his beard. I don't know if he mentioned that he was growing it out just for this show to match my beard, but you look good with a beard, my man, just to say it again. <laughs> yeah. I had to, uh, had to, you know, I had, had standards to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, there's only like one question I typically, I guess, ask people to kind of give a little bit more context behind, because obviously we do intros and, and things of that nature to promote your businesses and your children's, but there's so much to go into, but for the most part, if it's someone that didn't really know much about you, and it's kind of hard today with today's marketplace where anyone, we're living in a consumer world where anyone can just type in someone's name on Google and they'll find more about them in the information phase, right, mm-hmm. of the era we're living in now. But how would you kind of give a little bit more context on who you are and what you're about, what you do for your companies? Hmm. Um, well, my business is Double Take Promotional Marketing. And... Um, what we do promotional products and branded merchandise. Um, mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, we put logos on anything. That's kind of the, the way I like to say it to 
allow people to understand it easily. Um, but uh, I think what's most important is um, is kind of like the way that we operate and the way that we um, the way that I run my business and the way that I interact with my team and my um, and our clients and our suppliers. And you know, we really just try to um, to to spread light to whoever we come in contact with. That's a, kind of a guiding principle of our business, and that's something that uh, you know my my employees and I we all take to heart um, with how we interact with our clients, our suppliers, our community, mm -hmm. uh, people I network with. And, and that's, so that's really just something I always try to keep in mind and, and also how I relate with my employees. I think that, you know, the, the stronger we can be from within, the stronger we will be, you know, going without to, uh, you know, to, to those that we come in contact with. Right. And sometimes when you're making that type of contact with your communities outs outsourcing or whatever you're trying to do, it, it comes from internal in the way that I look at is a CEO making sure that they're communicating their message all the way down to someone maybe works in a warehouse or whatever they're doing. Right. So their first line of defense, I guess you would say, in certain companies, especially right now with the COVID stuff going on, you don't really have a lot of people like walking into a facility and companies because obviously the no contact and those types of depending on where yeah. you are in the world. One thing I do love about your slogan is like, what is it? Make them look twice. I like that. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's, like a, it's a, it's a two pronged slogan too. It's uh, you know, everything we do is like double, right? So uh, <laughs> to make them look twice. That's our tagline. It's also our URL. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's two pronged and that it's, uh, it, it, I think the more obvious uh, meaning of make them look twice is that the products that we do for our clients will make the viewers of their brand look twice. So we're, we're helping our clients turn heads. Um, but the less obvious one is that the tagline is also a, it's a driving force for us internally mm -hmm. for how we do what we do. Um, we take it to heart that when we're showing um, options to our clients and we're presenting ideas to our clients, we want to make our clients look twice. We want to show something to our clients that they've never seen before. We want to really uh, wow them with our creativity. And so, that, so it's it's not only an outward um, slogan and tagline, but something that, that really helps kind of drive us in, in the way that we do what we do internally. It drives efficiency within your own staff, which I do love because it's all about, you know, this is my philosophy when I'm looking at business. It's like one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, that sets, but we all have to be aligned to be able to get I guess you would say it put ourselves all as a collectively as a unit, as a company in the right position to win. And a lot of companies, they don't, depending on, you know, you have directors. And I know that a lot of times we're pre COVID, I would have conversations with business owners. They were like, well, I don't really have like a lot of virtual business. I don't have this. I don't have that. Well, for those who took the time to kind of make sure that they have web pages and having where it's a 24 seven business where people can go and say, Hey, what is double take? What is this? What is, you know, what are some things that I can do right now to make sure that I'm getting out the right message to, you know, my community and the staff and for future buyers. And I love that about your message where you're turning your clients into, you know, referral sources. And yeah. you do that through repetition. You're doing that through, you know, customer satisfaction. And you're also looking at it as in when your own staff, you're looking as brand advocates and really promoting that because hmm. I, I've learned this over the years of, you know, running staffs and, and, and being in leadership. The more that you're putting it back onto them and making them feel more excited about, the, you know, creating an environment for them to feel safe and excited about what they do for a living. Well, that energy is infectious. 
you're going, it's, it's easy to do when you're at the morale's high. Do you, and the reason why, the reason why I framed it the way that I am, because I'm going to ask you a mm -hmm. question. How much do you put, and it seems like you put a lot of thought into everything you do. And I love that about you. How much thought do you put into like maybe some competitions you roll out with your staff? Is it, you know, how do you get them around and keep them around so high within your companies now? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really interesting question. I, I mean, so first off, just to touch on something that you said about turning clients into referral sources and turning mm -hmm. employees into brand advocates. That's something that we do for our clients, but it's another thing that like we, we do what, what our clients do. We practice what we preach. Okay. We take it to heart what we're advocating for our clients. And you know, through promotional products, we, um, we help our clients effectively um, brand themselves and, and market themselves so that they're staying top of mind with their clients, turning those clients into referral sources, mm -hmm. making their employees feel well appreciated and, and like they're part of a team unit so that they are truly brand advocates into the marketplace and not just, hey, this is where I work, but hey, come check out where I work. This is a really cool place to be. Mm -hmm. um, so we help our clients do that and and we but, but again we practice what we preach and so to yeah. go to your your question of um you know how we keep morale how i keep morale high how um i keep my team engaged um we've we've operated as a remote uh team for mm -hmm. for several years yeah. so that was one um for, i guess fortunate thing that that came of COVID or one thing that we were well prepared for that we didn't have to completely, you know, adapt our entire way of operating. We had already operated um, as a remote team and, you know, I already had my home office. And, mm -hmm. um, but something that we do that uh, that has kind of evolved and, and strengthened through COVID um, is we have Monday and Friday team meetings. Okay, and on like Monday, each of us um, puts forth a goal that we're looking to accomplish that week. Um, among other you know parts of our report but the goal is, is a key um, and then on Fridays we all report back on you know what our progress was in accomplishing that goal so we're able to hold ourselves accountable hold one another accountable um, and then you'll love this with the win-win effect we we all share a win from that week on oh, Friday. Love it. Love it. something that we like and and because we always want to we want to always wrap up the week on a positive note so mm -hmm. and you know, reflecting on what went right what went well that week so we all share a win um that happened during that week and then we all express something that we're grateful for, for that. mm, that's so, powerful that's so powerful yeah that's so and that's something i mean you wouldn't believe the the conversations we've had as a result of that um you know it could be something that, you know about our, our families it could be business related it could be just something you know kind of um more ethereal about the world in general but i mean it's it's really brought us together um, as a very tight-knit unit just kind of sharing those things and, and getting to know one another on a more personal level um, uh, it's, it's something that that was born out of um, out of the pandemic but that's another positive that has really come out of it for us to strengthen our team from within no I love I love what you said in, in a multitude of reasons I, it seems that me just from the outside looking in and me kind of prepping myself for this interview. I, I prep myself different for, I'm going to say different, but I look at different aspects of opportunity to be able to shine a light on 
the things you do extremely well in your industry and how mm -hmm. you're able to separate yourself from your maybe potentially competition. It seems for me outside looking in, you don't really look at competition as competition. You look at it as more community and opportunity for you to grow and learn more. Which is that fair to say? Yeah, um, you know, it's, our, my business is is highly commoditized. And yes, price driven, and I when I meet people for the first time, a lot of people will say to me, "Oh, that's a very competitive business that you're in," mm -hmm. and I kind of chuckle when people say that because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, isn't that a, doesn't that mean that there's a lot of value for what we provide if there's a lot of value yes. in it? Um, you know, comp so competition is a good thing. I'm not afraid of competition, mm -hmm. and I think um, I think that in a lot of ways, uh, at least for me, the way I approach competition, I don't find myself in direct competition with a with another right. competing company very frequently. I don't. I don't. That, that that happens very rarely. That you know, we're submitting mm -hmm. a bid, and there's one other company competing with a competitive bid, and we just have to hope we get it. Like that. That's not a typical scenario for us. For me. The um, the competition is more of like how we how we um, set ourselves apart from the expectation that clients yes. might have, or from the perception that clients might have of our industry, which quite frankly is not always so positive. And and, and taking that, I want all of my competitors to to excel and to succeed because that right. only helps elevate the perception of our industry as a whole. Um, right. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't find myself in a lot of direct competition, but I also don't really like, I don't approach business from that standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a bonus, it's a bonus mentality. It's that mentality that you have. Mm -hmm. And that's what how you're able to make the proper adjustments, even during those times where other, I guess, maybe I wouldn't really say, like, um, green entrepreneurs or CEOs or people in pointed into a leader, leadership position, they sometimes shy away from it. Maybe they'll point fingers or they'll say, oh, this person doing this and we do better than this. I've, I've been a lot a, around a lot of board meetings where you would have a leader or a person making a pitch for a bid and they would poke holes at the competitor. And I instantly get pushed away from that type of approach because that's not really, I guess you say really embracing change and being adaptable to change. Because if you're stuck on someone else, then you're not going to really excel expectations and exceed expectations in, your, in the marketplace with your own customers right now and turning them into a lifelong client. And that's what I love about your message. And then just to shine a light on this, to kind of give everyone a little bit more context on who you are and what you're about. I mean, you're a fourth generation entrepreneur. <laughs> so, and you're looking back from what was it 1935, if I read correctly, with your great grandfather and your and your grandfather starting a, a separate company. When, I think it was in New York, correct? Correct. Yeah, I, I'm born and raised in New York, and yeah, my, mm -hmm. my great grandfather right. Paul and my grandfather Maynard started the Paul May Company in 1935. Mm -hmm. Right, and then you, and then your dad took over, and your dad did it with for 30 years, and he worked for your dad, I think, for a year, and then you went and you started your own company in 2010. Right. So you're 10 years in, and and the reason why I said it this way. Because I wanted to give the listeners a little bit more behind how you came about doing what you're doing right now. But from me doing my research, it seems that me that the major influence in your life wasn't on that side. It was your mom from me kind of yeah. outside looking in because she I think she was a 30, 30 year old teacher and, you know, was yeah. very fluent in different languages. So that very diverse and 
I love love that, and I think that's where you got your work ethic from. If I'm if I read everything correctly, and I've read between the lines, you did your research. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say it's it's a good mix of influence from from both my parents of, mm-hmm. of who I am, and um, I think that's a positive thing. Um, I definitely, you know, I I so my, my dad being in business, he never pushed me to go into this okay. business, this industry, and never. Um, but you know, but he exposed me to it, and um, when I worked for him, that was sort of that was more of, um, I, I started working with my dad more by happenstance than by anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that, that was, that became a pivotal, you know, experience in my life that drove me into this industry and then to starting my own company in this industry. Um, and I learned a lot of, from my dad about, you know, running a business and how he would, um, you know, just, just sitting in an office next to him and hearing how he would talk to clients and hearing mm-hmm. how he would, um, how he would talk to, to suppliers of his and, just, and and then when I started my company, my dad and I would have daily conversations. Good. Um, yeah, love just, it. Just you know, just talking business, just picking his brain, just telling him about challenges I was having, and he, so he was a huge, um, just source of knowledge and mentorship for me when I was first getting started. Um, and then my mom, yeah, as a teacher, um, what I really always respected about my mom is that in her thirty-plus year teaching career. Every year, she would always learn new teaching methods and new types of lessons, and she would always be reinventing herself. She never, um, like, you know, she never mailed it in. She never just kind of repeated the same thing that mm-hmm. she had done in the past, you know, out of taking the easy road or, or defaulting to that. She, she really, like, just always, um, you know, put her students first and did whatever was going to be in, the, in their best interest for her to be the best version of herself, the best teacher possible mm-hmm. for her students. And um, I just always really respected that mentality towards her profession and the work ethic that mm-hmm. that went into that um, to, to, you know, to prioritize. Um, it takes a lot. It takes an extreme action. amount of effort. It takes an extreme amount of effort to put that extra piece in to ensure that you're not just doing it for your own benefit and excelling in your own career. You're trying to excel with your clientele or excel with their own students and say, hey, what do they need me to do? Yes, here's the minimum requirements as in from the education board or whatever, right, our bosses. But these mm-hmm. are minimum requirements when it comes to the curriculum and making sure that I'm teaching the students and they're excelling and they're making good grades right. and they're passing and reviewing. But what can I do extra to make sure that I'm going to make a for everlasting impact with them. And it sounds like she did that. Yeah. And my mom, she was a foreign language teacher. Yes. So she, she, uh, she is fluent in Spanish and nearly fluent. I'd say in Japanese, she taught Spanish and Japanese for many years in her school. And then close to her retirement, I'd say two or three years before she retired, she got her schedule one day in August and, uh, you know, school starts in September and she looks at her schedule and she's suddenly, she's teaching an Italian class. (laughs) <laughs> and she said, I, I don't know Italian, but she went out and she learned Italian well enough. In a, in a <laughs> That's crazy. I did read to it. Able to teach Italian to sixth graders. <laughs> and, and, and that's, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's how I felt last year where it's like, okay, great. I'm about to celebrate 10 years in business. I've been doing this, I, I, you know, in a groove. We know what we're doing. What, what do you mean COVID hit? What do you mean we have to reinvent everything that we do and start doing things? People are doing, you know, like right. it's the same kind of uh you know, a shock to the system, but you just have to kind of take it in stride and say, well, you know, am I going to, am I going to close up shop or am I going to keep going and 
you know, find a new way. So Right. Just got to adapt and overcome. It's like what needs to be done. There's the, there's yeah. what everyone else is doing, but what needs to be done? Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I mean, the adjustments that I've made in this, I'm just a blessed individual. And you're talking about exposure with your father. Like, I was exposed to business later, I guess you would say, in my career and later in life when I started rubbing elbows with, you know, some of the, you know, VPs of marketing and missions and me being involved in education and sort of rubbing elbows with the major investors and people investing into that, you know, trade school. But that's sort of like being, I guess you would say being a sponge. And you mentioned like mm-hmm. sitting in an office and listening to your dad, how he handled his daily operations and maybe some of the contractors and some of his suppliers and whatnot. You learn so much just being exposed. If you're, I guess you would say aware enough and present enough to pay attention to the ins and outs on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And I've learned more, to be honest with you, Matt, about what not to do in certain situations that I would learn from someone doing something the right way. And so how can I take it to another Mm. level? You know what I mean? So, I mean, how many, it's like, I think I I read somewhere also during that one year you were working with your father. He was Mm. in the process of selling the business. And that's what did, was the conversation ever presented to you? You should take this over. Or is it that you're like, I don't really want to do this because I'm not lined with it. And I want to start my own and blazing your own path. I know it's kind of a, like a loaded question, but I'm just more like curious. Yeah. yeah so, um, you, so, I mean, I guess like it, where it really began was, I mean, you mentioned uh, journalism early on. That was, kind yes. of, that was my passion. That's what I, I studied in college and wanted to get into journalism. And, and so that was like, my dad was so supportive of that. Um, Okay. path for me and so it was never really um you know a lot of people they go to college and they don't know what they want to do they're undecided major mm-hmm. or whatever i was one of the people who like was locked in i know exactly <laughs> what i want to do and, and still i'm not working in that field so it, sh- it goes to show you it doesn't doesn't matter more or another, <laughs> really but um you know so like my dad was was just very supportive of me going in that path and um through my journalism education ironically i kind of soured on the journalism industry mm-hmm. and um worked in it in various internships and freelance positions and then ultimately decided to to go a different path and it was in 2008 um, that my dad was he had just moved his factory and was um in the process of of kind of transitioning that um and potentially selling his company so and that, that's when i started working for him just to kind gotcha. of help him gotcha. office. i needed something more stable at the time so it was like that's why it was kind of my happenstance and i was in no position at that time from an industry knowledge standpoint, from a business management knowledge experience standpoint, or certainly financial to um, to purchase the business from him or to take it on from him. And, and so, he, you know, and he was on his way towards um, selling the company. So it was never really anything that came up in discussion, gotcha. time, or, you know, not, not that I, you know, uh, I wasn't interested or wouldn't have been interested or anything. It just wasn't really on the radar at the time. Um, but uh, you know, I started, that's how I, I got my start in on the distributorship side of mm-hmm. this industry. Um, while I was working for my dad on the supplier side, I started working uh, part-time for someone else um, as an independent contractor doing gotcha. sales. And so when my dad sold his company, I uh, got more involved with that, um, you know, doing sales and, and really grew to love it. And that's where I got my inspiration to start my own company. Love it. And, I, and that's where... I wanted to make sure that I touched on because I, I was just more like curious from my own sanity, I guess you would say, because it, it's something that jumped out to me. I was like, I wonder if 
that conversation happened and it's now I now it makes a lot more sense that yeah. you didn't really entertain it. And one thing I will will shine a light on for listeners that maybe didn't catch this. He knew right then he wasn't ready. You know, for <laughs> that, because one industry and then knowledge and then also, of course, you're looking at the financial side and you have to. I guess it's something you don't think about. You just have to feel with inside of your gut, your intuition and being alone in your own thoughts, understanding. I don't think I'm ready for it just yet because you would have ended up failing when you made that shift. Right. And you started your own in 2010 and you've been in industry. I mean, 10 years, man. Congratulations, man. A lot of there's not a lot of companies that stick around for even past a year or three years. I mean, you can look at the numbers. Right. So but one thing I did learn about your story and your message and especially the companies that the first five years. You celebrate, I think, went to a minor league ball club and celebrate your five-year tenure, right? So then you went, yes. and that was right around the time you had your first child, and that made a change for you, correct? Yeah, yeah that was a big, uh, yeah, big mindset right. shift and and shift towards my view of work-life balance mm-hmm. um, and for how we, we structure the company, for yeah. sure. What, so, jumped, what jumped out to you? Was it the, your wife? that kind of mentioned some things about, hey, we need to make sure that we're spending a lot more quality time and building a family rather than you just building a company and then building a family on the back end of that? Or was it something you just felt that you needed to do and make the proper adjustments when it, I guess, aligning all those aspects of life, making sure you're all like speaking one language? It was, um, so my wife and I got married in 2015. Mm-hmm. We were on our honeymoon in May into June of 2015, and um, we had an amazing time on our honeymoon. But I, at the time, I was the only person within my company. I was wearing all the hats, doing everything, mm-hmm. and um, I I was working several hours every day, even on my honeymoon. Um, and I, we were in Croatia, and I'm trying to calculate the time difference between Croatia and New York, where my clients are. <laughs> where my suppliers are and it's like it was a mess and um you know i just i I really you know came to the realization of you know what's the point of owning my own business if i'm so beholden to it that i can't even right you just created another job for yourself right i did the same i did the same thing in the beginning i was wearing all these hats bro like all i was wearing all of them Mm -hmm. and i was like well shit (laughs) like all i did was just create another job for myself I really didn't have a business. I mean, it's, you know, when you're looking at business. You pay at the time. Right. Yeah, of course. But you got to make the proper adjustments. Right. Go ahead, please. And that's like, that's how I look at it is that I I did. I created a job for myself Mm -hmm. at first, Um, which at the the time I actually, I'm proud of that. It was 2010, Mm -hmm. which we look back now with the, with the benefit of 11 years hindsight that, oh, 2010 economy was rebounding and everything. But at the time, that I started my company, all everyone wanted to talk about was how bad the economy was and how, yeah, and, and I made the decision right then, I am never going to let an external factor uh, impact my mindset or how I go about my business. I'm never going to let anyone else's uh, view of the economy being poor or mm. something that I can't control impact how I operate. Um, right. So, so that, and that's how I took that mindset, which you know, I, I dusted off that mindset for COVID when it came up last year. Like, okay, this is an external factor. We can't control it. We're going to just have to go ahead. But, um, but it, you know, so it was when I first started, yes, I was doing everything and I was working long hours. And, and um, in a lot of ways, I was setting up a foundation, but it was really that honeymoon experience that was the eye opener for me 
-hmm. And it wasn't long after our honeymoon that we found out we were expecting our first child. And so I made it my mission. Um, you know, I, I had a hard deadline of, you know, when my baby was going to be born. Um, that's my deadline. I want to shift the way that we do business such that I can expand this beyond just myself, hire people, um, you know, and, and, and take what we do well. And rather than that just being what, you know, Matt Deutschman does well and mm -hmm. what people like about doing business with Matt Deutschman, but they take that and make that the double take way, the double take right. way of doing business. It. And then we can expand more based on, you know, that foundation of the double take, you know, operating system. Let, let's see if I can help you. Well, let's see if I can help the listeners understand how important this is when it pertains to you really taking your business to the next level. Because I, I see a lot, especially right now in the marketplace, I don't care what industry you're in. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're wearing a couple different types of hats and you can easily fall into the victim mentality of everybody else blaming everything on COVID. Just like in 2010, when the economy is trying to get that recover and get better, they'll point and say, well, my business failed. That's why I can't do it. <laughs> right? I don't need, you know, these t-shirts or these Yeti cups with my emblem on it. I don't need this stuff, but that's, you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's an essential part of your business. You have to make sure that your your clients are to turn them into Raven fans for you. And that's hard because it's easy, especially right now in 2021, people are going, well, COVID did this and I lost my business because of this and I lost this. But if they had, I guess you would say some of that conditioning and that foundation, it sounds like you did, then you were able to just make the proper adjustments and move because you've been there before. Like, all right, well, this is what I have to do. But what are some advice would you give an entrepreneur that is wearing a couple different hats and they're looking to take their business to the next level to create more time for them to be a little bit more of a visionary in their business so that way they can make their proper judgment seeing things a little bit later in the road? Mm. Yeah, that's a big question. There's a lot there. And I think, I mean, uh, and first okay, of what's all, the, what's the first, what's the first, what's the first step for you? I'll make it easy. It is a loaded question because if someone yeah. asked me that question, me hearing myself frame it that way, I'm like, well, I don't really know where to start because that's a that's a lot of different ways you can go. But what would be yeah. the first, I guess you would say, initial step for an entrepreneur in that situation? Yeah. And first of all, I just want to say that like none of what I've said, and I'm sure none, no, you know, none of this conversation is to belittle someone who legitimately their business was decimated by COVID beyond their control. Right. I mean, there's some industries that, you know, there's just no no way that you can rebound and we were uh, very fortunate that even in my industry which is very event driven and very um you know hands-on in-person driven we were less dependent on like, trade show types of projects and, and right. things like that than a lot of other companies even in my industry so we were a little bit more in insulated from from the impact but um i would say in terms of just the um what to do to to improve work-life balance and and scale a company beyond yourself as an entrepreneur something that was huge for me was just relinquishing control and so we talked about it what's interesting i think is that i've talked about like you know not letting external factors control my mindset but i am i am a control freak i am a perfectionist <laughs> someone who needs to be in control of everything um so what was very what was a big um evolution for me at the time that I first hired my first employee was, was 
you know, kind of t relinquishing some control and understanding that even if someone does something 80% of the way I would do it, or if it takes them, you know, 1.2 times the amount of mm -hmm. time that it would take me to do something, that's still better than me taking my yes. time towards I that. I with that as well. 100%. So mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's recognizing like some of the, the, uh, the non-negotiables, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, if you're going to do this task instead of me, you must do it, you know, to this standard, you must do it in this way. Like if there are certain things that have to, have to happen in order. And that's, again, that the double take way, right? This is okay. the way that we operate. So you, you must adhere to these uh, parameters, but other things I want to give my members of my team, the creative freedom to be themselves and leave their imprint on the role. And, um, you know, and, and there are many things that they do better than I would have ever thought. And um, I love you know, that. So I think part of it is recognizing what you do well and also what you don't do so well and maybe what you don't enjoy doing so much. Right. And, um, and empowering other people to, to step into those areas. And they're not going to be, they're not going to feel safe if they're feeling from the leader at that time where they're a control freak and they don't want to mess it up. You know, like I, I struggle with that as well. I'm a control freak. I mean, most entrepreneurs are, but I, I live and die by a 70% rule. If it's done up to 70% of my expectations, then we get it out there and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. That other 30%, that's me. That's what my creative spin. But sometimes their creative spin and the other 30% right there, that, that might take the results to another level that I wouldn't even be able to accomplish. And you have to be able to have and create the environment for them to feel it's okay to maybe potentially take it to another level or you coming to you with different ideas. That's what a team is all about in a corporation. My team now, they'll come to me with ideas. Five years ago, <laughs> they didn't come to me with a lot of ideas. It was like, Chris, what do we do? <laughs> like, what do we do? Like, what would you, what do we need to do? Like, so I, that's where I think that first step would be, you know, creating the environment and then looking at what you're trying to accomplish and then building those non-negotiables there as a barrier. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what you have to, this is a must. And here's why that's a must. And because I'm trying to prevent this X, Y, Z from happening. And if this happens, then this goes down and then boom, it's over. So that's why. And that's why it's always, you know, it's important to explain why it's done up to this standard. And you can't, there's non-negotiable. You can't, you can't, you have to meet these standards. Mm -hmm. So like what are some of those types of standards for you when it comes when I guess when it pertains to, I guess, customer satisfaction and also when it goes to with your clients as in customer satisfaction? Hmm. Um, so in terms of like, I mean, you know, some of this, like, stuff I guess you know, overall, I guess overall, is made. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Overall, it's, I mean, it's, it's always, um, we, we, we the overarching principle that we operate by is that we do what is right in all situations we yeah. here we, we live and we work under the confines of integrity that's doing what is right in all situations that doesn't always mean that the customer is always right because sometimes the customer that. is asking something that's unreasonable or something that uh, we would have to put I would have to put an employee in an unreasonable situation or we would have to ask something unreasonable of a, of a supplier. 
Um, so it's doing what is right, but coming from that is is the clear communication because it's it, it's okay to explain to a customer um, or to a client that you know something is unreasonable, but it's all about how it's communicated and um, and how um, we kind of present the the alternative option, the the backup plan, the solution to the problem, right? So that's you know, maybe it's a little. Vague. No, I'm aligned. Yeah, no, I'm aligned to that because here's here's the reason how he's able to do that, ladies and gentlemen, that he's not scared of competition coming in and outbidding him or doing something or seeing it. Say he's a, he's okay with that. When he's explaining that to his potential customer or buyer at a time, say, here's what we can do. And if you're asking us for do this, that's going to change the conversation. Is it something we're able to do? Or you have to be upfront with that with your buyers or in your customers. Like, this is not feasible. I, we, we can't make this happen because of X, Y, Z. If So if you're looking to do this in the marketplace and maybe if you find someone, let me know because... I don't see anyone doing it up to that expectation of what we're able to roll out and make sure that we're going to execute with you. I mean, I think that comes from a lot of, I wouldn't say just experience, but that comes from a lot of just being extremely confident in your own products and services and goods, from my understanding. Yeah, and a lot of it comes with experience. And, yep. um, you know, and look, we're not perfect at it, We, you know, but it's, but but it's something that we have to hold ourselves to, that we, we really want to, you know, our, our, Always, our goal is to have clear and um, and transparent communication with our clients. We, we'd rather over-explain something so that they deeply understand um, why something can't happen or, or, or what goes into it on our end. Um, we're, we're an interesting in industry where people don't always understand how much goes into getting a product made, getting a logo yeah. put on a product and then having it shipped and distributed. And like, there's a lot that goes into it. And mm -hmm. so a lot of our business business processes is logistics management of everything that goes on. Mm -hmm. And the client sometimes just, they see the finished product, which is, a, a, you know, a, an item that has their logo printed on it. <laughs> yes. um, right. But without understanding all that goes into it, um, we want to really make sure that we're, we're clearly communicating everything that, um, that has to occur so that we understand like that. expectations and so that our, our clients can have reasonable expectations. That's how you're able to have, you're creating your, I guess you would say you're putting your clients in a position with enough information to be able to sell your business for you that way through it. And I think it goes back to your philosophy about the referral source and looking at your clientele that way, because you're explaining the, how much work goes into your, your finished product. They don't just look at their logo. Okay, great. Yeah, double take. And now this, this is what we do. Like, how did you get your logo on your hat? Or how I really like the, the rollouts and the Yetis. Or I really like the, even just a good shift with this and a good segue. You made a proper adjustments with your COVID stuff and your mask. You're giving away masks in your, your I guess, in your lot of, a lot of information you're doing to educational programs. You're, you're creating, I guess you would say, an environment for them to say, okay, yeah, you can, you can have your PPE, right? You can have all this protection but you want to make sure you're going to have your logos on it correct so that's a huge way for you to continue to keep selling your business in my opinion yeah it's um <laughs> it's funny. i just i giggle when you say mask because it's like a year right. ago at this time that, you know, like what the hell's a mask but uh <laughs> but but yeah i mean 
something that, that that sticks out to me just from what you just said is brand standards also that like we're, mm -hmm. we're a marketing partner for our clients beyond just the products that we're we're you know producing and, and putting their branding on um, we, we work with a lot of colleges and universities and we become in a lot of ways just as knowledgeable of their brand standards and in some mm -hmm. times more knowledgeable of their brand standards than various departments in the college or university. And that's not a knock on the people that we work with or a knock on the department at all, because a lot of the time th their focus in managing their department is not on upholding the brand of the school or on, you know, marketing collateral and that sort of thing. They're focused on what they're doing. And, yeah. um, you know, we have to make sure that when we're producing a project for uh, a college um, that, you know, all departments are using the logo and the branding guidelines in a way that adheres with, uh, you know, with the brand standards that they've set forth. So then it's it's important for us to to know what those standards are and and you know, walk our clients through it and help them. Sometimes they're not going to be, uh, I guess you would say, aware on how is essential it is for their, I guess, admission staff and the people they're trying to recruit into their university or their school, their education program. I, and the reason why I'm telling you this, and I'm, I'm sharing this with the listeners as well, I come from a trade school industry in education. So when I was, it feels like forever ago, it feels like a lifetime ago, when I was an admissions rep and I was calling prospective students on the phone, and I, my role, my sole purpose was to, in, I guess you would say, provide them enough information and need to want an interest in, in what they needed to do to come in for, I guess, um, a tour of the school and a campus to go through the product knowledge and figuring out what program might be in the best interest for them short-term and long-term. So when I invite them into a campus, this is something that when I was doing education consulting for, and I would go into trade schools and say, Chris, how, how can we get our, how can we make sure that we're exceeding expectations and start ratios and pass and review accreditations? I'm like, well, it all starts with your, how you look. And if you're giving away slicks and there's no branding on it and the brand doesn't look, the logo doesn't look the same on your, I guess, presentation with your prospective student, then that's, that's something that's a huge disconnect. So what happens is a student might come in with their parents because they have to sign, right? They're using a FAFSA or whatever that might be. Well, the father or the mom will come in and they realize that the, these things that they're aware of, not the student. These things they're aware of, and that pushes them all to saying, I'm not going to give you money to go to school and sign my name on this because you're an adult now in a trade school. We're not doing this. You just lost a potential enrollment right off the bat. Just because of, the, just because of how the brand isn't really up to the expectations of your, your I guess you would say, clientele and students. Sure. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's so, powerful. I mean, is that something that you try to communicate with your education, um, I guess, contracts and the university? Sometimes when you're dealing with the university, they understand that. But when you're dealing with the, uh, I wouldn't say lower end, and I don't want to try to offend uh, an education program. Because if you're in education, you're all model with you. So, because I believe in education, but like, well, how wide of a range? Let me ask this question. How wide of a range is your education businesses and contracts that you do have? Is it coming? Do you have trade schools or do you what, walk me through that? Our, our specialty really is at the, the higher education level. So okay, got it. Um, but um, even within those colleges and universities, it, it runs the gamut what department we're working with. And okay. so the goal of the, the project that we're working on may be vastly different. I mean, if we're working with an admissions department or a marketing department, 
they do understand the impact of their brand and the importance of um, you know of making that first impression on the new student when they come in. You know, mm-hmm. orientation departments like they you know they they absolutely understand um, the importance of all that. But um, you know, but a financial aid department or a um, other you know, not to knock financial aid or anything, but just other departments may not always understand how important it is that the brand is aligned with the message and that it's the overall experience that the student is having um, throughout their life cycle with the college mm-hmm. and then beyond as an alumnus, it all has to be aligned and it all has yes. to be, it, it has to flow from, from that first time they even hear about the school before applying all the way through the application process, their, their career as a student, and then their lifetime involvement as an alumnus and, you know, for the, the school's best interest as a donor. I mean, it's, it all has to be aligned. And that's why every touch point that the student has with a different administrative department throughout their career at the school, that's an opportunity for the school to be making an impression and, and just adding to that, um, that positive perception that the student has of their experience with the college. And it makes it easier when you have a clear and concise branding message and a mission statement. If you don't, then it's a huge disconnect. And yes, it is a huge opportunity to make sure you're you're laying that foundation and building on that foundation for them to be able to go to in their community and say, my experience with this XYZ company or this XYZ educational program was by far probably one of the best experiences I've ever come in contact with. And it'd be easier and they're a little bit more impressionable, and I guess, open to maybe having some of their family members or friends in their own community and their connections of recommending that i can't tell you how you know, how vital that is and, and it, it speaks volumes and that's what i love about your you even have a slogan and I, I even said this to a company once and this is a you know good name company i was like what's your slogan all oh, that just changed i said like, well how long have you been changing it and they said six months and i'm like well that's why i'm here because you're, you're in the red <laughs> now you don't have your reps or you don't have your i guess secretaries or your first line of defense Speaking that one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, or yours, you know, make them t- make them look twice. I mean, <laughs> that needs to be it needs to be ingrained with everyone on your staff. I don't care if you're virtual or if you're campus bit. I don't care. It, it needs to be yeah. ingrained with the message. I love this, man. So there's a you know I know that we covered a lot, and I want to be conscious of the time as well. And I know that we have a hard stop in certain amount of time because you're you know just much as everybody else in this world time is the only non-renewable resource in life so we don't ever get that shit back but like what are, can you share with some of the listeners to, to learn more about you your companies because there's we're going to put a lot of stuff in the show notes and produce they'll put it all there but like what are some things right now you're currently working on to make sure that you're really going to exceed expectations in 2021 um yeah you mean like types of client projects that we're working on or correct, correct. In, in, within the business i mean just like you know what kind of projects are you currently working on right now before i mean before everyone else i guess you would say exposed to some of the things you have in your in the works oh, in a pipeline okay. yeah um yeah well with a lot of our clients um you know because we're still in this 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 pandemic uh climate a lot of our corporate clients um are doing a lot to raise morale and to build community amongst their their employees, their teams. Um, so we're doing um, we're working on, on several projects with clients of ours um, to you know to send meaningful gifts to their staff to, mm-hmm. to keep morale high. Um, we did a lot of that during the holidays just recently, but um, even you know now in Q1 um, we're doing a lot more of that. We have a couple uh, programs 
that we're working with clients um, to send out something for all their staff birthdays. Um, right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So whether it's uh, you know sending something individually on the the birth dates of the the employees or doing it month by month, where all the January birthdays get something sent out and all the February birthdays and so forth. Um, with our higher ed, uh, you know, higher education clients, um, now now is a time where it's 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 kind of a topsy turvy time still for them um, because here we are. I don't know when this will air, but this is. This is you know January nineteenth, and we've got um, you know a lot of colleges that are still in like still on winter extended winter break. Some that are yeah. coming back in a hybrid scenario. Some that are going to be virtual, and so um, just reaching um, students is as important as ever. And yeah. building that community on campus and um, mm-hmm. commencement is going to be before we know it. So we're working with a couple of uh, colleges already on. Um, planning their virtual commencement that they're going to have and sending something really meaningful as a, a really cool package that um, can serve as an invitation package to their graduating seniors so that they get really jazzed about the event. I and mean, it's not just another, you know, boring Zoom webinar kind of thing. Right. <laughs> really know that it's, it's, a, it's a special time. Um, and, and a lot of our college clients really feel for them because they're, uh, we have a number of college clients that have a substantial amount of first generational first generation college yes. students. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about that from the impact that that has on that student's family for generations to come mm-hmm. and the pride that that you know that um, their their elders and their family have with that student graduating college for the first time in their history of their family um, you know it's really incumbent upon the college to to make sure that that graduation is is a special event and that and that's a really good point that's a really good point you always remember you always remember when you graduate you know and i mean just think about like so i don't know i can go back to my memory and just like pull out a memory and something very specific from that memory and and be able to share my the excitement and the way that i felt during that time and you being a little bit more conscious of the first generation of someone trying going to graduate you know, college, it's a big deal, man. I mean, how open would they be to be able to have their children go through you know, what they went through to get, you know, to the end result? Like, well, I don't remember. It was like I watched a video on YouTube. I mean, there was no, there was no personal touch to it for them, you know? So I think that's an important piece. I mean, did you, are you presenting that to some of the, you know, the higher eds or education, you know, and contracts that you have? Or is it maybe... You learned it for some of them and, and, and picking it out. Okay, hey, Matt, this is the this is our message. How can we take it to the next level? Is it more of that kind of conversation? Yeah, it's um I, I've actually I've been very impressed by a lot of our clients to see the, the high quality of okay. virtual they've been putting on, live entertainment components and uh, just really, you know, and great guest speakers. Um so I, I it's they've they've done a great job by and large of you know, honoring the um, the specialness of the, the event <laughs> and putting together a nice virtual event. And so what we're doing is we're we're trying to um, we're supplementing that with something direct mail. So one co- one college last year we uh, mailed every graduating senior a T-shirt, and the branding on the T-shirt was to mimic what the uh, graduation gown looked like. And we also um, you know, supplemented that with a, a like a swag package of some other items that would help them as they're going into their career, and you know, um, just some like 
pride, you know, school pride kinds of items. So um, that's something that, um, you know, we're working with the colleges to just enhance the, mm -hmm. um, the impact that they're making with the, with the commencement. I love that you know it, everything that you're about and it comes from you know your upbringing and whatnot and belief in the education and why it's so important. Um, even more so, I think is what you have the the website is a double take defenders. That's what the COVID protection PP stuff. That's where they can find that website. The double take yeah. uh, defenders. Yeah, our normal website make them look twice .com, But then yeah, double take defenders is our build your own PPE kit. I love that. Tool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the name, isn't that the name? You did write a children's book as well. I don't want to like forget that piece because that is that important. Right. Yeah, yeah. You have yeah, to send it to me. You have to send it to me and give it to my daughter for sure. But yeah, send me send me a copy, man. But yeah, you have uh what is that book? I guess it can kind of do like a quick little overview. Like, what is that book all about? And why'd you do it? Uh, so I have two kids. I'm a, a four year, almost five year old and a and a two, almost three year old, and um uh, the book is called When You Hear the Thunder Rumble. When um, when it's a thunderstorm and when it's raining and thundering outside um, and my kids would get scared, I would tell them, you know, don't worry, it's it's just God playing the drums. And um, <laughs> that, that that took on kind of a life of its own. And my, my son especially is really into music. Um, he loves playing the drums and playing all his, uh, you know, toy instruments and everything like that. And um, I just always love reading to my kids. So... Um, came up with this little story about, um, you know, it's, it's, it's ironically, it's a, it's a nice like COVID lockdown book too, because it's all about <laughs> goofy activities that you can do indoors when it's raining outside. Um, but, um, but my kids love, they love the illustrations. I, I teamed up with a really amazing illustrator and um, I'm just, it's, I get so much joy from reading the book with my own kids. That was the goal, you know, mm -hmm. to get the book published so that I have something to read with my kids that, that I created and, you know, everything else, any, any copies we sell, that's all gravy. Um, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Like, and then on top of that is a lot of quality time when you're, when you're, I guess, reading a story and you're doing something different. Cause obviously, you know, you don't, I mean, you mentioned it in a, in a couple of different ways um, and throughout this interview and I appreciate, thank you so much for all the information you did share. I mean, it was vital information. I, I've, I know I've learned more about you just from this interview. But when you're looking at all the things you've done, there's there's a compound effect. You've been successful on all these different things. And that all stems back from your own mindset and the way that, and I guess, your core beliefs and what you're all about as a human being. And they just, it speaks volumes for who you are as a person and why all the success you've had. So I want you to kind of also, you know, with even with myself, when I invite someone to come on a show, that means I have a genuine interest in that person. I feel that could be a great message for you know, my listeners is overall, it's my moral obligation to them to have the right people here. I mean, it's not, I can easily message a hundred businesses and like, Hey, give me, give me 50 guests. I, I don't want to do that. I want to go from, you know, my connections and my referrals and I, it's all referral based when I bring people on the show. So I'm in from the reason why I'm telling you this, I want you to look at me as a person. Like if there's anything that I can do for you to ever show return the favor, please let me know. Thank you very much. And thank you for the kind words and, and, and for the conversation. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed being on with you today. Um, to kind of finish up, wrap up and, you know, and I've enjoyed this conversation as well. Probably the listeners can tell um, anywhere. My, I know, of course, my staff will put all this information in the bios and in the, in the posts and whatnot. But like, where can they find more about you pretty quickly other than just going to what is it? 
uh, make them look twice.com and then the defense uh, double take defenders.com. Correct. Those are the two main websites. Yeah, those are the two main websites. And I'm also, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Not a lot of Matt Deutschman. Uh, right. So easy to find. <laughs> okay, cool. But yeah, guys, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, submitting, they have a lot of uh, like Raven fan listeners and I, and I appreciate every single last one of them. And they always send in, submit questions and I'll make sure that my team, you know, communicates that over and if not from me directly, but there's, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of questions, but other than that, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your message. God bless you, you and your family. Just be safe out there. Don't do anything I would do and make sure you wash your hands and stuff. But I thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, Matt. My pleasure. It's really a pleasure. God bless you too. Thanks, Chris.